Coast Biz is proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. It's time for Ghost Biz on the Business Report. In fact, my first time getting to handle Ghost Biz, which has left me with a little bit of a dilemma because I'm not quite sure how to address a ghost. I've, I've watched a couple of different movies and uh, yeah, results vary. Results do vary. <laughs> this ghost is friendlier than some of those movies, I'm certain <laughs> of it. So to start us off, we've got uh, Nepi Rock Castle. Uh, they've obviously got an impressive property portfolio, including in Central and Eastern Europe, that they say has a total property value of 6.8 billion euros. Uh, and they've announced record earnings. It seems there's a lot going right for them. Yeah, there is a lot going right for them. So a few years ago, a bunch of South African property funds uh, property funds kind of ran off to Eastern Europe in search of growth because the trick in Eastern Europe is you've got inflation. And inflation is actually quite a good thing when you own property. You know, people talk about property being an inflation hedge. The bricks and mortar value theoretically goes up over time. When you've got inflation, you can charge higher rents. And a lot of the South African property funds who went there and to some other places like Spain, for example, for Vukile, they've done relatively better than the funds that kind of ran off to the UK, which is historically not a very inflationary environment. So when you have South African investors demanding growth in the distribution every single year, if you've got property in the UK, historically, you were kind of just dependent on the RAND depreciating, sadly, almost a certainty. But the nice thing is when you're investing in euros in some of these other areas, you don't just get the RAND depreciating, you also get genuine underlying growth, which obviously really helps. So yeah, Nepi Rock Castles just released record uh, distributable earnings per share. Their recurring distributable earnings per share up 17.1%, which is really good. And it's from the stuff you want to see. Net operating income was up 21%, 13% like for like, and the rest from acquisitions. So they are growing nicely. What is very interesting, though, is their expectation for 2024 is quite modest. They're only expecting a 4% uplift, which is not much. So obviously they've had a very strong year of growth now. Maybe they are being a little bit conservative. We'll see. But Nepi Rock Castle pretty much regarded as one of the best property funds on the JSE. Okay. Do they have any exposure in Ukraine? Uh, no, not, oh. uh, not, to, not to my knowledge. <laughs> so so, so yeah, the, no, I mean, it's amazing, right? Like Poland is so near to Ukraine, but you know, areas like that are doing really, really well, whereas everything is obviously just a tragic disaster in Ukraine. So mm. it does show. Well, from property to telecommunications, telecoms also posted strong results in the quarter leading up to the 31st of December 2023. They say led by their mobile and fiber businesses. So with the company trying to position itself as the leading infrastructure company in South Africa, what should we be looking out for from them? Yeah, so Telcom is basically on a technology treadmill. So, you know, back in the day when our parents all had home phones and, you know, we would you know, try and sneak it to, to phone a girlfriend here or there, or whatever the case may be, those days are obviously like miles behind us now. So the fixed line stuff is shrinking effectively every year. And what Telcom needs to do is bring what they've been calling sort of their next generation business. It's basically this generation's business needs to grow to make up for the shrinkage in the old school stuff. So that would be things like Telcom mobile and open serve, which is the fiber side of the business. So those are the metrics that they focus on. But unfortunately, they do still have a pretty decent sized component of the group is the legacy stuff. And it's not just consumer facing, it's also business services as well. So you'll see big mix effects come in at businesses like BCX and that kind of thing. And it's all about how their revenue is changing over time. But credit to 
telecom in this period, which was the the third quarter, they did actually manage to get revenue up 2% overall. So obviously some areas of the business growing, some areas of the business shrinking and group EBITDA was stable. So not too bad. And they are a little bit closer as well to selling SwiftNet. So that's their towers business. They are in discussions with a consortium of potential buyers. And the good news is that SwiftNet is performing well at the moment. So that's what you want to see. You know, if you're going to sell off a business, you want to be selling it when things are actually going well in it. Mm. Uh, things aren't looking quite as rosy for Barlow World, though, but from what I understand, it could be worse. Things can always be worse. Eh? They can always be better <laughs> as well. <laughs> but yeah, look, Barlow World in the four months to the end of January, 5% drop in group revenue. And that was because of lower demand pretty much across the mining and consumer side of things here in Southern Africa. So, you know, this is just one of those really irritating updates as a South African where you just get so frustrated with the situation around local infrastructure and everything else. Mining activity in South Africa has slowed down. Yes, stuff like the platinum price coming off certainly doesn't help. But the reality is if you go and read a lot of the underlying results, the same theme keeps coming through, which is infrastructure, transnet. So, you know, Bala World relies on local mining houses being willing to invest in capital equipment. They're not going to do that if they don't think that the infrastructure can support them. So equipment, Southern Africa's revenue down 2%, very irritating and even more irritating when you see Barlow World Mongolia, which I don't think would have been in, on anyone's bingo list as, you know, a leading economy, 20% revenue growth there. So, you know, what has Mongolia got that we don't? You go and have a look at the commodities, they're not that different. And it must be just infrastructure and willingness to invest and government support and everything else. So very frustrating. And then, you know, also within Barlow World, they've got this consumer industries business called Ingrain, revenue there down 5%, and that's just lower demand across alcoholic beverages, paper making, the converting sectors. So yeah, it's just a frustrating situation at the moment for South Africa, and will it get better? I don't know. You touched on mining then. Gold seems to be hot at the moment. Locally, we saw Asina Resources getting a superior offer for all its outstanding shares. Uh, DRD Gold also seems to be benefiting along with its shareholders. The, the company declared its 17th consecutive dividend. Uh, meanwhile, Pan-African Gold's also reported good financials and the start of continuous operations at uh, Barberton Mines' Fairview and, and Sheba Mines. Why are these two companies important to watch? Look, I think the whole gold sector is really interesting. I mean, we just have kind of recent numbers from DRD Gold and Pan-African. The thing to remember about DRD Gold is that's a tailings business. So they are running around the outskirts of Joburg, literally dodging zamazamas, uh, trying to actually mine the old mine dumps and get out whatever gold is left with modern processing and at the current gold price. So DRD Gold is a tough business. It's, it's hard to imagine a more difficult way to make money than to be operating in basically the worst of Joburg, trying to extract little bits of gold out of mine dumps. So that doesn't sound like what kids write down at career day when they're <laughs> 10 years old, you know? And unfortunately, the challenge is stuff like delays on water usage licenses as well, just makes life really difficult for them to bring on new sites. So in 2023, to save the year, they basically had to focus on their legacy and cleanup sites. And that's really difficult. You you know, those are not designed for <laughs> the kind of numbers that DRD Gold is trying to hit. So they were saved, literally saved by the increase in the average Rand gold price because revenue was up 12% and the gold price was up 22%. So volumes were down and were it not for a nice period in the gold price, I think DRD would have had a tough period. Luckily at Pan-African Resources though, they were able to take advantage of the strong gold price. And this is obviously exactly what you want to see. And Pan-African is getting the stuff out the ground for the first time. So they get the best margins on it. 
you know, it takes lots of capex up front, but that's the best margin is to take the gold out the ground the first time around. Their gold production was up 6.7%. So, you know, when you combine that with the strong result in the gold price, you get a situation where their headline earnings for the period grew a whopping 46.1%. So, you know, this is where the old joke about it's a gold mine actually comes true. <laughs> uh, no one's ever said that about a mine dump, unfortunately. It's a mine dump is not uh, is not commonly used and we can see why. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Ghost. Uh, we'll let you get back to haunting the markets. Thank you. Ghost Biz was proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Visit IJG.net for more information.